Friends, would you open with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5? We're in Ephesians chapter 5. We're continuing our series in this great book. And Ephesians is working with the presupposition that Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday changes absolutely everything about the cosmos and about us and about our families and our workplaces. Christ, when he fills us, he begins to take off what's old and put on what's new and we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Now we've spent about a month unpacking that with respect to the church. When Jesus bids us come, he changes us within the church and we've talked about that for about a month. And now we transition in chapter 5 and onward to see how this change is borne out uh, both in our families and in our workplaces. So we're going to go roll by roll and address the home and address the workplace and how the Christ of Easter changes us even there, even in those places. Today our passage begins with wives. If you are married, if you're a wife in here, would you please raise your hand nice and high so we can see who we're working with. So we got a couple of wives who are here. That's wonderful. You all are in for it today, ma'am. Um, But this is interesting, because by a show of hands, we realize very quickly, most of us in here are not wives. We're not a wife. I'm not a wife. Many of you are not wives. We've got this whole paragraph that's dedicated to wives that Paul intends to be delivered, not just to wives, but to the entire church, which means that this passage is relevant to anyone in the room who is a wife, Anybody in the room who aspires to be a wife, you want to be married and be a wife, anyone who knows a wife, or anybody who worships in a church that wants wives to flourish so that families can flourish, so that local churches can flourish, so that the glory of God might cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. If that applies to you, this passage is for you. If that doesn't, you can ignore it. This isn't for you. If you want God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, regardless of where you are in age or stage, you are all for wives. You are pro-wives in this church. So let me read this passage, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Let's pray together. Father, we confess and admit that for many of us, submission has become a dirty word. In our culture and in our circles, it conjures up chauvinism and discrimination and oppression, and rightly so, because it has been so so abused in our circles and misunderstood and mistreated and misused in the church and in the world. I pray that This morning, in these few moments that we have together, you would begin a work in us, in our homes, and in our church to redeem this word, 
to show us what it means and to show us the beauty of submission one to another and wives to their husbands. That would be a miracle in our midst, in our culture, in this century. But we believe you can do it. And so we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now friends, this passage, because of where we stand in our culture today, I believe is so important. We need to address it line by line, verse by verse, and understand exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying to us today. So let's look at verse 21, which sets everything up. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, unfortunately, my ESV Bible kind of breaks that verse away from the next paragraph that we just read, right? So verse 21, at least in my Bible, looks like a separate thought. And then it looks like we move on to talk about wives after that. New paragraph, new subheading, new thought. But in the Greek, this transition is seamless between the two. We know that because verse 22 doesn't even have its own verb. Verse 22 in our English Bible says submit, but it doesn't really have that word in the Greek. It has to borrow that word back from verse 21. That's how closely related verse 21 and verse 22 are, so that the passage should read like, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives likewise to your husbands. That means... Before we say a single word to wives or husbands or children or parents or employees and employers and and the unique responsibilities of each of those roles and how certain groups submit to other groups, we are reminded as a whole that when we come to faith in Christ, we deny ourselves and take up our crosses daily and follow him. Men, women, children, bosses, parents, workers, everyone. When Jesus bids us come, he bids us come and die. Everyone gives up rights. Everyone gives up possessions. Everyone gives up reputation and titles and unforgiveness and passive aggressiveness and loose tongues and power plays and preferences. And they are as a whole crucified to Christ. We gladly give ourselves to Christ by serving and submitting to one another as the church body. That falls on every believer in this room, regardless of our age or stage or responsibility. So if a a man who is also a husband, who is also a CEO, comes into this church body with the unique responsibilities that he has in each of those roles, when he comes here to the body, regardless of who he is, He checks his hubris at the door, he takes up his cross, and he submits to and serves this church body out of reverence and worship to Christ in this community. If a wife comes to me and says to me, look, I'm really struggling with this idea of submission, this is really hard, it's costing me something and it's tough to obey, I'm going to respond to her, I know. 
I'm struggling with submission too. It's really hard to come into this church family and give up what I had to take on this body of believers and submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Submission is hard, whatever role God gives you in the body. That's how Paul begins. Mutual submission, the church to each other. But then he begins to narrow and focus on how each role works under that general heading of mutual submission. And so he writes verse 22. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, when I do premarital counseling, the most commonly misunderstood idea I hear within a couple is this idea of submission. What are we talking about? Who's submitting to who? What does this really mean? What does this look like? We bring goofy ideas to the word submission and we let them fly in a marriage and it looks really, really awkward. So I'd like to ask two questions of this verse and that is who is submitting to whom and what exactly do we mean by submission? First, who is submitting to whom? Clearly, We are talking about a wife and her husband. So Paul even reinforces this when he says to wives, submit to your own husband. Submission here is only talking about a wife and the man she has made a lifelong vow to before God and witnesses that are gathered and no one else. So if you brought a presupposition today about women in general being inferior to men in general, or the idea that women in general as a gender should come under the submission of men in general as a gender, you're confusing Aristotle with Ephesians. Aristotle taught that. That was his idea. That's not what Paul says in this passage. If you have particular views about women in the workplace or whether women can have the same responsibilities as men in the workplace or should take leadership roles over men and positions in the workplace or serve in the military or become president or play professional sports, whatever those presuppositions are, you got to pack them up and take them to another passage because you're just not going to find anything for them in Ephesians chapter 5. A wife submits to her own husband. That's what's in view here. If that's what submission is referring to, then what is it? What do we mean by submission? I've got some friends of mine who do ministry and friends of mine who do work in Japan. And you realize that Japan is a very, very, very different culture than America that um, submission there looks very different than submission here, and I think about particularly with respect to the workplace. You've got situations, I've heard of scenes of friends in Japan where they'll go to a working lunch or dinner, and the CEO is handed the menu first, and he orders, and every other person under him orders the exact same thing as the CEO. Because like if you ordered something different, you would imply that he didn't make the best choice and you've got a different one, so everybody falls in line. Chicken tenders, chicken tenders, chicken tenders, the whole way down the line, everybody does that. 
Now that's like an extreme example of submission in the workplace, but I just say it because I want us to realize all of us have heard, seen, read ideas about submission that we then package and bring into this word submission in Ephesians chapter 5, and some of it just looks really, really goofy. I will inevitably have a man in premarital counseling say something like this to me. I know I'm supposed to be the man. I know I'm the head of the household. I know I'm supposed to lead. But my wife is like really, really good with money. And I'm like really, really bad with money. Could she just like handle the finances? And then I swear I'll be better than her at everything else. And I'll lead and I'll rule well and I'll be the head of my household. But like, can I get a pass on this one area? And it's like, brother, you're in for a lifelong experience of realizing the ways in which God has gifted your wife in incredible ways, beyond your abilities. And that's why he's brought her to you, to be a lifelong partner, to build a home together. That's not what submission means. It doesn't mean being bested in every category in your home. I want to use John Stott's definition of submission, and then I want to use the next verse to unpack what he's talking about in this definition. This is Stott. He says, Submission is not unthinking obedience to her husband's rule, but rather a grateful acceptance of his care. Did you catch that? It's not unthinking obedience to her husband's rules, like he's giving out commands and she's responding in the positive to everyone. It's a grateful acceptance of the care that God has called him to give. That means that Stott is claiming that a husband's authority is not tyranny, but responsibility. He's not here to boss his wife around. God put him on this earth to bolster his wife's faith. Now that's so counter to how many of us have heard submission taught within the church, that we need to go right to verse 23 and unpack this a little bit. Verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. So Paul brings together this tight analogy, which is beautiful, and reminds us that Christ and the church is the main thing, and marriage is a momentary parable of that main thing, that God gives us the one to show us the other, and that the one informs the other. But some of us might hear this analogy, that as the husband is to the wife, so Christ is to the church, and we might say to ourselves, aha, John Stott is wrong, This primarily refers to rule. Because I know that Jesus is the head of the church. And I know that Jesus can tell the church what to do. And I know that Jesus, when he tells the church to jump, the church ought to respond how high. And so I'm going to take that analogy and I'm going to bring that into the home. And I will see the husband as an anointed Christ in his home. And when he says jump, his wife says how high. That's how we can bridge that analogy. But actually, when Paul says this, he's not primarily thinking of Jesus as Lord who rules. He's thinking of Jesus as Savior who cares. 
That's why he grabbed this analogy for the husband and the wife. This is huge. This begins to change the way we think about uh, authority in a marriage and submission in a marriage. That authority becomes responsibility for care. And I get that in two places in the broader passage. Number one, this is exactly what Paul says in verse 23. He says, Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, of course, Jesus is the Lord of the church. Of course, Jesus always rules the church. But Paul is thinking about this analogy, and the whole reason he brought it up was to emphasize that Jesus is the church's Savior, that he comes to save and care for her. The second place I get this is in the following verses that we didn't read yet. If Paul was chiefly concerned about a husband's rule in the home, like that's why he's bringing up this analogy, just like Jesus is the boss of the church, so the husband is the boss of the home, then in the next paragraph where he addresses the husband, we would expect commands that follow in suit to what he's telling the wife. Wife, you should listen to everything your husband says and do what he says. And so husbands, I want you to rule well. I want you to command well. I want you to give orders well. Husband, you're choosing where we're eating today after church. Husband, you man the clicker and you decide what we're going to watch on Netflix tonight. Husband, you wear the pants, you pay the bills, you get 51% of the family vote, you do you, and let your submissive wife fill in the cracks of the life that you've chose for yourself. I'm being sarcastic, I'm being extreme, but there are some of us who dabble in that view of authority and submission, and if we do, We are utterly shaken by the following paragraph, verses 25 through 23, that says nothing of the sort to husbands. There's not a single solitary command for husbands giving orders in their home. That paragraph is one great, terrifying, splendid command for the husband like Christ, to lay down and die for his wife, that he might nourish and cherish her. A husband's authority is to care for his wife. A wife's submission is her grateful acceptance of his care. That's a game changer in a marriage. That's a game changer even for some of us who have grown up in the church and heard or seen demonstrated other ideas of authority, perhaps as tyranny and giving orders and ruling with a tight fist in a home. If anyone here is uncomfortable with this definition of authority as care and submission as responding to care in gratitude, like if anybody thinks that I'm being soft on complementarianism or if I'm bending to cultural gender confusion, or if I'm abdicating the role of the husband and the wife in the home and in a marriage to liberation theology, 
I dare you to say that to my face. Don't say it to a neighbor. Come up to me, say it to my face, and we're going to take this outside, and we're going to deal with it like grown-ups. And by that I mean we're going to go next door to Inda and get a decaf latte and sit with our Bibles, and we're going to walk back through Ephesians 5 because you need to see what Paul is referring to when he says authority and submission. Let's bring all this together in verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Verse 21, in the church, every believer submits to and serves each other as an act of worshipful reverence to Christ. Nobody swings their weight in the church. Nobody swings their reputations and titles in the church. Nobody even swings their spiritual giftedness in the church, wanting people to cower before the authority that they had in the world that they'd like to translate into the church. None of us get to do that. Everybody comes to serve. We mutually submit to and serve each other. And within the marriage, as we're all practicing service to one another, every believing wife submits to the spiritual nurture and care and responsibility of her own husband to act as her spiritual head, just as Jesus does on behalf of the church. That's her act of worship. Now, When we think about application, I desperately want to address the husbands first. Like I want to confront husbands who have abused authority or abdicated authority. Like the spirit-filled way is too hard and so the worldly way is to either rule with an iron fist and abuse that authority or completely check out and abdicate authority and I'd love to confront the husbands to get them in line so that the wives are prepared to do this. But isn't it incredible in God's wisdom, he chooses to address the wife first before the husband. I would have pulled God aside and said, look, man, if you can get some husbands doing this, like if they can start doing that next paragraph and really laying down their lives and nourishing and cherishing wives, then then maybe we could get some wives, especially in our day and age, maybe we could get some wives on board with this idea that they would submit to and respond in gratitude to her husband's care. I, I think that's the way to approach it. And God says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Not as to their giftedness in this role, Not as to their obedience in this role. Not as to their track record in this role. Or what happened this morning on the way to church. Or this weekend. Or or this marriage with respect to spiritual leadership. Wife, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. This is not first between you and your husband. This is first between you and your risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not talking about a marriage with flagrant sin. We're not talking, God forbid, about verbal or physical or spiritual abuse, adultery or desertion. We're not even talking about the situation of a wife to an unbelieving husband, which Paul addresses elsewhere. If that's your situation, please do not hesitate to speak to someone today. That's serious, and we will not stand for that. 
barring that, wife, disrespecting, dishonoring, criticizing, gossiping about your husband, as much as that is celebrated in our culture, encouraged in our workplaces, um, enjoyed by women when they gather together to begrone the husband that they have, that's not first an issue between your and her, your husband. That's between you and Jesus. That is you groaning against your Savior. God is calling your husband to be your spiritual lead and shepherd. Will you let him? More than that, will you joyfully submit to his God-given role to encourage him in it day after day after day? If you don't know how to do that as a wife, I beg you, ask your husband. Husband, what does this look like? You've got this role. I don't know how you can do that in the flesh. That looks supernatural to me, to lay down and die and serve me and nourish and cherish me. How do I help you do that? What kind of wife do I become that encourages you to take the spiritual lead that doesn't dismiss you or make you uncomfortable or reacts passive aggressively to the ways you try to do that? How can I be the kind of wife that makes that a happy role for you to have? What a beautiful question to ask your husband. That relationship between the wife submitting to her husband actually makes me think of God's command to church members to submit to their elders. When we met last week for our new members class, we read what I think is a critical verse when we're thinking about membership, which is Hebrews thirteen seventeen. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Church member, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. You have elders. God called the church to be led by elders. They're here. They have a role. They will answer to God for that role. They're going to do that role. That's going to happen. That's not negotiable. Do you want to do this the easy way, with joy? Or do you want to do this the hard way, grumbling and complaining and criticizing at every step? Because we can do that, and that's short-term gain and long-term loss. It feels good in the moment to resist and to show yourself that you won't be ruled by anyone or directed by anyone spiritually or otherwise. But I promise you, Hebrews says, that will be of no advantage to your eternal soul. Don't do that. So also, wives, will you join the way of joy? Will you join the way that God has laid out for you? If you've been found by Christ and redeemed by Him, if He's really filled you with His Spirit to respond supernaturally in the home and especially in a world that has lost its ever-living mind with respect to the home and the roles of a husband and wife, if you are taking off what's old and putting on what's new, make your husband's job a joy to do. Make it something that he looks forward to 
and he's encouraged in and not something that he dreads to wake up and do tomorrow morning. Honor him. Respect him. Cheer for him. Pray for him. Encourage him. Tell him what you need. Speak well of him before others and especially before your kids. Honor and submit to your husband as he leads you further up and further in to glorious communion with Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, what a hard, beautiful, glorious invitation. Both to the church to lay down and die and submit to and serve one another. And then to the wives that you've given us within this church body. By the power of the Holy Spirit to submit to their husbands, responding to his authority with gratitude for spiritual care. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning so that it will be of great advantage to wives and homes and to this church. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.